BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book and The Inflammation Spectrum and Ketotarian. If you wanna learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, there's lots of free healthy stuff for you there as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R- W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E dot com. And my friends, listeners of The Art of Being Well, I am giving away free signed books. You can pick whichever one you want out of the three so far. All you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well. And then you can message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole and just say, hey, I left a review. And then my team and I will go through the messages And every month, no matter when you're listening to this episode, we will be randomly picking winners and sending a book of your choice signed to whoever you want, you, yourself, (laughs) anyone you want. And uh, yeah, you can have the book. So to enter to win, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. It really helps to get the message out there and we can help more people the more people listen to the podcast. All right, let's get to today's guest. His name is Vladimir Vukachevich. He is an entrepreneur, an expert in the world of consumer products. He has taught Fortune 500 companies how to build and leverage new businesses, has combined culture and management theory through his writing, and believes that innovation provides a new path to personal and global empowerment. Vlad is the CEO and co-founder of Better and Better, a company that develops and sells personal care products that are fundamentally better for our health and better for our environment. All right, let's get to it. This is Vladimir Vukachevich's Art of Being Well. Vlad, my friend, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's it's an honor. I'm a big fan. Oh, man, I love what you're doing. I'm a big fan. So you have an inspirational story. People are going to learn so much from you today. But I want to start where you came from and what you went through. Sure. Uh, let's go back to 
You're from Yugoslavia originally, right? That's right. Yeah. So I was born in Yugoslavia. By the way, real fast. So my great grandma is Serbian. So I like to feel like a kinship with the Serbian people. Really? Yeah. Serbian Orthodox Church, all of that. So yeah. by no means have the cred that you have. So I'll let you talk. Yeah. I'm not sure Will Cole is a Serbian. Yeah, no, uh, but, it, it doesn't scream Serbian. No, it's not. But Vukic is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm a first generation immigrant. So hence the the Vladimir. And <laughs> I was born in, in Yugoslavia in, in Belgrade, which is now Serbia and, and, and uh, its own little country. And, you know, I, I, I was born early 80s growing up there. And then in 1990, when I was about five years old, I started having pain in my right leg. It went on for a few months. The doctors first thought it was like growing pains. You know, you're a kid, you, you, kids have that. But once they did an x-ray, they realized that it was, it was a cancerous tumor. I was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. And it's a bone cancer in my right thigh bone as a five-year-old. And, and in Serbia back then, or Yugoslavia back then, the medical institutions weren't doing too great. And so my parents made the brave decision to, to come to the U.S. for treatment. So I, I came to Sloan Kettering here in New York for treatment when I was five years old. And, you know, for better or for worse, that treatment lasted about almost a decade, five, six, seven, eight years. So it was pretty arduous uh, chemotherapy, radiation, a bunch of surgeries, you know, came out, out of it clean and, and, and healthy. It set my life up for a very interesting course, because as a young kid, I knew and understood things about life, <laughs> mortality, uh, health, wellness, physical therapy, nutrition, that I think the average kid and then teenager and, and adolescent doesn't usually go through. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I can only imagine the deep learning and experience and, you know, trauma in many, in many ways to have to grow up so fast and go through those things. Have you ever, do you ever go back and think about that? Or how, how do you feel like that shaped how you see the world today? It's one of the reasons I go to therapy on a, yeah. on a regular, regular basis. Certainly. And I think that it's a trauma that lives with me in me forever. It's just a matter of like, how do I utilize that? How do I use that as a catalyst for, for positive things? I'm lucky that I had and have supportive parents that have always been kind of open to different ideas. So my dad has been practicing transcendental meditation for 30 plus years. He's a TM teacher. So I learned about kind of inner calming, inner peace, TM, yeah. which I've been practicing since I was a, a little kid. He also knows about Ayurvedic treatments and other additional kind of holistic treatments, which in 1990, when I was diagnosed and we came here, that was kind of like crazy, right? It was like the doctors wouldn't even listen to you. Whereas if you go to Sloan Kettering now, it's all about the full holistic yeah. set of treatments. And so just being introduced to that as a kid kind of like opens up your world very early on that there isn't just you know, there's traditional Western medicine, but there are other forms of medicine, treatment, mm -hmm. cures, benefits. So th that, that was one big thing. And then the other is just the power of habits. So when you're in a tough spot, little daily activities become really, really important. Getting out of bed after a surgery, like they want you out of bed right away. Yeah. They want you walking right away. I had chemotherapy, so they want you kind of eating right. And they want the right nutrition and the right supplements. So these daily habits were embedded within my life from the get-go. 
And so it kind of shaped and continues to shape how I think about the world and how I, how I build ideas and products. Yeah. Well, I love hearing about TM and its role that it's played in unraveling the trauma and, and, and transmuting it. What would you say TM was the most effective trauma tool for you or or what are maybe what's another one? Yeah. So I, I think TM is definitely the one that's like the most constant. So daily practice. Uh, I think that helps a lot. I think in addition to that, you know, traditional psychotherapy, <laughs> I use psychotherapy and psychoanalytic psychotherapy kind of as a release valve mm-hmm. because we'll talk about my entrepreneurial experiences, but as an entrepreneur, there are a lot of daily stresses. So it's like that old trauma plus the daily stresses yeah, all stuff. wrapped up. So being able to release that, I think is, is, is really, really key. I've started doing acupuncture over the last two or three years. For whatever reason, I hadn't done it up to, up to kind of later now in my life. And when I started doing it, I was like, oh, interesting. This is a whole different world of experience and release as well. Yeah. It's very, most of the things I did were very mind centric. Whereas when you start to get into acupuncture, it's all about the body right. and the energy and the, the flows of, of those things. So I, it was things that I hadn't experienced before. So I think those three things, it's, it's, it's meditation therapy and acupuncture that kind of keep me <laughs> relatively stable. Yeah. Supporters of your parasympathetic without a doubt, yeah. all of them. Absolutely. So at what point in your journey did you discover low vitamin D and mm. its importance to human health and maybe the connection to your immune health specifically? Sure. So when I was in college, I started kind of losing some of my edge that I had when I was kind of teenager, late teenager. You know, I had I go to regular checkups for at Sloan Kettering. I go to I go to regular blood tests and all that, but they hadn't been doing vitamin D tests at, up to that point. And those like the early two thousands, they started doing vi- regular vitamin D tests, and they started seeing kind of you could see it a decline because you could see the trends. So between the age of like sixteen and twenty two, I started seeing a decline, mm. and it was almost perfectly matched with the lower kind of mood, lower energy that I had at that point. And I, I started getting sick a little bit more often. You start to kind of, it starts to add up the different symptoms. And so I started taking vitamin D supplements as a, in pill form in, in college. And so I've been doing it for 15 plus 20, almost 20 years now in terms of vitamin D supplements. And I really started to see improvement after a few months. Of, of, of supplement form. But the tricky part with pills, it, it has different problems with it. One is just remembering. So I, after college, I started working entrepreneurship and like taking another pill, another thing on a daily basis became really tough for me. So I would go missing for days, sometimes weeks at a time. Yeah. And that that's not great. And then in addition to that, it's a, there, there are no low dose pills. Most of the pills are 100 plus daily value, sometimes 500, a thousand. And so it's, it's a jarring experience for my system. And so it would affect my, like I would have gastrointestinal issues mm. and, and just in general would have, I wouldn't feel great about right after taking it. And it, and it would be fine after a while, but it, it, in that immediate aftermath, I was, I had a tough time with the pill. So remembering them plus the magnitude of them kind of was challenging, but overall it helped me a lot to get vitamin D up because it started to help with mood, immunity, and just overall just kind of vigor and strength. Got it. So, I mean, I'm looking at labs all day long for patients and I see how ubiquitous vitamin D deficiency is. So, but you know a lot about this as well. Can you share for the people 
how common vitamin D deficiency is and then why should people care? They know, they hear about it, but it's abstract yeah. to the average listener or person out there in the world. Why should we care about vitamin D status? The stats kind of vary a little bit, but you know, at this point, I think they're saying well over 50%, most people in the United States are vitamin D deficient to some extent. A lot of that has to do with how we get vitamin D and how we used to get vitamin D. The biggest way we used to get vitamin D is we would go outside in the fields and work and, mm -hmm. and, and play and do things. And sunlight is the predominant delivery mechanism for vitamin D. And that has changed for various reasons over the last 100 years plus. One is we're less outdoors. And when we are outdoors, we are more covered both in terms of clothing, but also in terms of sunscreen and other protective mechanisms. So generally, vitamin D from sunlight has gone down dramatically. Mm -hmm. And then also from food, too. Like, there aren't that many foods that can deliver meaningful amounts of vitamin D. And a lot of those foods, you know, are problematic depending on where you stand, whether it's meats, eggs, dairy. All those foods can be can give you vitamin D in a, in a, in a nice amount. But, you know, now trends are going against that. So that's why generally so many people are vitamin D deficient and it's growing because we're indoors and we're eating differently. What does that do? Vitamin D broadly is kind of linked to bone and muscle health, just to start. So muscle health and bone health in particular degrade after vitamin D deficiency starts to show up. So everything from being active to bone fractures are often further linked to vitamin D and calcium deficiencies because those two are very interlinked. Then in addition to that, to the, like the baseline, there are now connecting vitamin D to, to mood and emotional wellness, yeah. being happy. <laughs> like you would think, you know, that's not necessarily something extrinsic, but when you start to look at it, it does affect. And so seasonal uh, affective disorder in many ways is linked to vitamin D because it's during the winter, you're getting even less sunlight. Right. So there's less vitamin D. So mood and kind of emotional wellness, I think is the second big bucket. And then the third bucket that's particularly, I think, uh, relevant for today is immunity and the ability to fight off various diseases, viruses, bacteria, etc. Vitamin D, vitamin C, some of those kind of additional vitamins are very relevant for that. And I don't want to get into the whole COVID discussion, but vitamin D uh, has been linked to, to, to worse COVID outcomes, worse symptoms. And so the idea of deficiency in vitamin D is also linked to not being able to fight off various diseases, in particular COVID and other diseases as well. So the idea of immunity, I think, emotional wellness plus physical wellness, all are linked to vitamin D. So in, in summary, it's a very, very important vitamin. Without yeah. a doubt. I mean, it's one yeah. of the only vitamins, it acts as almost a, a hormone, right? It's a pro, almost mm -hmm. a pro-hormone. Every cell of your body has a vitamin D receptor site. So it's very different than other vitamins in, in many ways. And it, it's so, like you said, it's the sunshine vitamin. It's intimately connected to the human species and, and how we evolved over time. So, And in the past, you know, they've done some analyses, like we were getting a ton of vitamin D and we evolved with a ton of vitamin D just because of the nature of human, how human life was hunting, gathering, and then farming and scavenging, like the, the, all those activities. Yeah gave us a lot of D. Right. And, and, and again, yeah. this, this larger, this, this concept that I'm always talking about on the podcast is this mismatch between genetics and epigenetics. Our genetics right. haven't changed in these 10,000 plus years, but the yeah. way we live life. 
So the way, a lot of what we're talking about on the podcast is decreasing that chasm between our DNA, which isn't changed in the world around right. us. And you have, in a very innovative way, did a, a very smart thing to help us decrease that mismatch between genetics and epigenetics with getting something where you mentioned it's people are inconsistent with supplements many times. Mm -hmm. So what, tell people how you are helping us get our vitamin D levels and sure. B vitamins where they should be. After college, I became an entrepreneur. I started one company, then I started, it was successful helping other entrepreneurs raise money. Then I started a second company, helping artists reach the world. So I'm an active person. I fill my life with a lot of things and just taking pills uh, on a daily basis is not one of those things that I think about. And I had a really tough time, especially when traveling, which I do a fair or did a fair amount of and do now again, I started really going deep dive. Uh, I did a deep dive into the concept of habits and habit matching and habit pairing, because I was like, if I'm going to take, if I'm going to get my vitamin D, it has to be integrated with my life in a more seamless way. Mm -hmm. And so I started reading all the books and doing all the research around habits and habit matching. It's much easier to, to, to create another habit if it's matched to an existing habit. It's much easier to, to tag along activities in, in, in your daily, daily life. So I started keeping a journal and a diary of things that I do on a daily basis. And I kept this diary for like a year. Then I put it all into an Excel spreadsheet and I analyzed it. And the one recurring thing that happened no matter what is I brushed my teeth two <laughs> times a day in the morning and the evening, sometimes after lunch, if I'm at home or if I have time, but at least two times a day. And so it's like, okay, that's interesting. Of all the things I do that could be evolved or augmented, brushing my teeth is, is unique. And so that's when I got into the concept of sublingual and transbuchal absorption. So absorbing nutrients through your mouth. Sublingually is below the tongue and buccally is through, through your gums, your cheeks, the, the other skin in, in, in the mouth. And the mouth skin is very, very absorbent. Doctors have been delivering pain medication, other forms of medication to patients for decades through sublingually. So they place a little tab or they place a couple of drops, something in your mouth and it's absorbed and it goes straight into the bloodstream. So, so these two ideas started percolating in my mind of like, oh, I brush my teeth on a daily basis and you could absorb a lot of nutrients and vitamins and other elements through your mouth. I'm like, why can't you put vitamins and nutrients and supplements in general in, into toothpaste? The short answer is it's not easy, but you can do it. And that's what better and better is. It's the idea that we can make an existing habit even better by improving it and by adding another functional level to it. And in this case, it's toothpaste that gives you a microdose of vitamin D3 and vitamin B12 as well. We've combined those two in, in a single brush. So we have about 40% of vitamin D and about 50% of vitamin B12 per brush. So if you brush two or three times a day, that starts to add up mm -hmm. into, into real quantities. So that's our first product. It's a two-in-one toothpaste that cleans your teeth in a natural, clean way. And then in addition to that, delivers a microdose of vitamins that, like we said, are very important. Uh, brilliant. And, and you're absolutely right. When you talk about habits and consistency, I see it with patient behavior like thousands and thousands of times over the past 12 yeah. plus years. And you are really making this something that, that people can stick with because I would hope most people are brushing their teeth <laughs> at least one time a day. And you're getting yeah. some of these doses the, the, these really important nutrients in every dose, every time you brush yes, your teeth. And you cite a lot of really exciting science 
uh, in yeah. your literature. I, I was immersed in the research around oral and, and buccal like uh, absorption rate and, and even more so than gut. And when you think of people's gut health and we don't always, I, I'm always telling patients, you aren't just what you eat and supplement with, you are what you absorb. Yeah. And if you have an unhealthy gut, which we work on with patients, but over time, that absorption improves, but at the beginning, they're not, they, and I see people take supplements that are consistent with it and their numbers are not even where they should be because yeah. of the absorption barrier. So yeah. tell me about the different absorption rate of in your mouth versus taking a, a, a pill. Yeah. So generally when you take a pill, you swallow it, uh, either, either a pill or a gummy, they work pretty much the same way. The gummy starts to break down a little bit in your mouth because you're chewing it and then you swallow it, but a pill you just swallow. And then it goes into your gut and then it passes through the full gastrointestinal system and then goes through the liver and then it's finally absorbed into the, in, into the bloodstream. So there are a lot of places for things to either get lost or fully evacuated in a way that is completely irrelevant to your blood and to your, to, to your mm -hmm. body. So, you know, they've done a bunch of studies around pills and, 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 and gummy vitamins and some of the absorption rates and the bioavailability as it's called is very low. Like, so in some cases, you know, 10% up to 20, 30, 40%, but mo the majority of what you swallow in a pill is generally just flushed out. So many of these pills have tremendous amounts of, of daily value. The, the manufacturers and the creators, you know, they understand that like your body pushes most of it out. So that's why they often pack it with a lot of quantity in order to, mm -hmm. because they know you will only absorb a small amount of that right. quantity. And then in addition to, to the bioavailability problem, I think there's also the ingredient problem. So particularly with gummies, like there's gelatins, sugars, various food colorings in some cases that are just needless. Like yeah, we don't need to, yeah, we don't need this. For pills, it's more like cellulose and gelatins and cat in the capsules themselves. Things that you don't, like they're not necessarily profoundly harmful, but if you don't need this extra thing, you don't, you shouldn't get it. Like it, it, we can avoid these excipient additional elements. Mm -hmm. So the idea of something that is absorbed in the mouth, like solves a lot of those problems. One is it goes directly into the, into the bloodstream. So the mouth has full of capillaries and, and blood vessels that are directly connected to the bloodstream, to the, to the head and to the rest of the body. And so that's why often, you know, when, when pain medication is administered under the tongue, like the, the, the patients feel it much faster than they do when they take a pill mm -hmm. or even intravenously when they take pain medication. So the, the absorption rates are much faster. And in, and in many cases, the absorption rates, the bioavailability is much higher, 50% in some cases, 60, 70 in, in other cases. So in, in general, we find that it's up to four or five, maybe even 10 times better in terms of, in time, in terms of bioavailability for those vitamins and nutrients. And there have been studies. We, we leverage a few dozen studies already, and we're going to be we're conducting some of our own as well that show this. Like you take a capsule group, and then you take a sublingual group. The sublingual group has either equal or better results with less material. And so, if that's happening on a recurring basis with vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin B12, a toothpaste like ours, like the Better and Better Vitamin Toothpaste, makes a lot of sense because you're going to get this vitamin and nutrient on a recurring over and over basis. Love it. Yeah. All right, Vlad, you know, you, cause you listen to the podcast that at the end of every regular episode, I devote, I want to learn about your art of being well. 
And I'm going to just throw out some random questions to learn more about your wellness routine and favorites of, of all things. Are you up for this? Absolutely. All right. Let's jump into it. First question. What is the worst tasting healthy food that you still eat because it's good for you? I got to be honest. Asparagus is my <laughs> asparagus is my what's the reverse of a of a bad of a, it's my good bad habit of food because I it's not just about the, the taste of it, but you know, the asparagus pee, uh, like yeah, the, like it, well. it just, <laughs> it just, it affects everything before and after eating asparagus. Yeah. So it's like, ah, and my wife, she loves it. So between the two of us, we, you know, we trade <laughs> off, but, but we do asparagus is the healthy one that I, I don't love. Hey, I hear you, but it's good. It's high it's good. sulfur compounds, sulforaphane, great for methylation, detox. Yeah fiber, yeah. all, all the things. All right. Next right. question. Kind of similarly, what's the worst tasting healthy food that you won't eat because it's just that gross to you? <laughs> it's funny. Like I eat, I will, I'm willing to eat most things and, and try most things. To be honest, I, I, I'm not a huge, huge fan of like lettuce based salads, like just pure green leaves. I, I like kale just because it has a little bit more flavor. Uh, arugula I like because it has more flavor, but like traditional lettuce, I just dislike because it's, it's like eating nothing. Yeah, uh, I and I want when I eat, I want to eat something. Yeah. I hear you. And I know why pe people like it, but I, I don't, I don't get into salads either. I mean, I, I don't, yeah. I, I, we have recipes for patients. There's recipes in the book. Some people really, really love their salads. Um, yeah. I'm like, I agree. Like it's to me. And then you look at the other side of the spectrum where the Americans will just make the salads, like a, basically a conduit for like all this junk food. <laughs> it's like, you right. just turn this like, okay, whole food into this, pile of crap. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and like by the time you make a salad taste acceptable, <laughs> like it's not a salad anymore. It's a completely different type of food. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vehicle for other things. That's right. Um, all right. Next question. What is your latest non-food, non-supplement wellness tool or biohack that you're really into? Um, I, I, I mean, we're talking about habits, but like, I love, love micro habits and like one minute habits. Things where, like, I, at the start of COVID, you know, I, I, I did a little bit of exercise, but I didn't do a lot. And I was like, okay, can I do five push-ups every night? And I was like, okay, five push-ups. It literally takes 20 seconds, 10 seconds, whatever. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Every night, five push-ups. And so this micro habit became uh, 100 push-ups in a year per day. And so it, it's, it's this power of, like, just re repetition maybe even imperfect repetition, mm -hmm. but beneficial repetition that has become like life-changing for me. Like I feel different, you know, now I, I'm doing it with steps. I'm doing it with, with other exercises in the morning and, and the evening. So it, it starts to add up, but like just repetition is so, so key. And like, you know, better and better, like it's based on that concept. So Love it. I, I better, I better eat what I, you know, what I make. It's great. Super smart and very actionable for everybody listening. Do you think we are better or worse off with social media? Worse. Okay. It, it tipped into net negative over the last maybe five years, six years. Yeah. You know, my first company was a, was a platform that helped people raise money online. It was a crowdfunding platform called Rocket Hub, kind of similar to Kickstarter, Indigo, some, some of these other crowdfunding platforms. And that was like social media for, for good, right? People raising money to make music or to make a new product. And I think there's still a lot of that happening, but I think between the addictive nature of it, mm -hmm. which I think is definitely 
present, the endorphin hits, the, 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 it's just manufactured for, uh, bringing you back into, into the world. So I, I think the addictive nature plus the, like the social nature of it, like going to a dinner and seeing multiple people on their phone, they're not usually like reading a book on their phone. They're probably checking social media or something related to that. So I think it's, it's both addictive on an individual level and it's also starting to hurt interpersonal Mm -hmm. relationships. So I think it's tipped slightly into, into, into negative territory. So um, very astute. I I hear you. And I, I tend to agree. I, the amazing good comes from it, right? Connecting right now. We're going to share this on social media. There's, there are pockets of good, but I agree. Like the, the net negative is the larger picture of it. I, I mean, it, would it be so bad to just take take us back to the 90, 1990s? I mean, we, we had the internet then. It just right. like, was a lot more contained and less pervasive. Well, I was reading about recently, like someone suggested, I don't know if you remember, the AOL Instant Messenger. Oh, yeah. They're, they had an away message. Oh, yeah. Like, just if we had away messages again on whatever, Twitter, WhatsApp, yeah. all, the, all the messaging apps that we, even Facebook, like I am away. I think... Like psychologically, that would be so valuable because yes. then uh, like, okay, I'm away doing something. Yeah. You're justified in not being in that element. So I think there will be tools that will correct social media because, you know, entrepreneurially, there's money to be made in, in helping people feel better. Right. And I think people are starting to feel bad from social media. So if we can help generally the world feel better I think there will be tools that, that will correct what's happening now. Yeah, man, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it is, we always have to be on, like a world is conditioned to be sucking you back in on, yeah. and, and yeah. to always be on. And you're right. I think there's going to be a the blowback of what's going on right now. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I hope that we find a better, healthier balance with these things. I think ironically, it'll probably be technology yeah, helping us yeah. <laughs> to, being away right. from, to be away from technology. Yeah, you're right. The, like you said, the entrepreneurial spirit of our country and the world really uh, hopefully yeah. will be innovative in that. All right, next question. If you were able to live to the age of 100 and keep mm-hmm. either the mind or the body of a 30-year-old for the last 70 years of your life, which would you want, the mind or body of a 30-year-old? Absolutely the mind. And also like also when I was a kid, I grew up like between the age of five and 10, I was mainly in bed. I created my own worlds in my mind. I, I, I experienced all kinds of things. And that was like the early nineties. So we had TV, you said the internet was starting to develop, but it was still mainly kind of in your mind, toys, mm-hmm. ideas, games. Yeah. So I think the mind makes our world. Mm-hmm. And if you start losing that, it's tough. I think the body you know, will be augmented very soon between, you know, the stuff that Elon Musk is doing with Neuralink and some of the exoskeleton stuff. So helping people with paralysis, be able to move. I I think we're getting to a point where in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, the mind and body connection, you know, will be different than it is today. So if I can keep my mind for the foreseeable future, just as long, let's make it to the uh, singularity level, then I'll be okay. Love it. Next question, what's one thing that somebody can do that may be struggling with, with poor sleep or want to optimize your sleep? What's one way to get a great night's sleep? I mean, getting back to what we were talking about before, like my wife and I, we have no technology in the bedroom. 
rule. Like literally nothing, no TV, no cell phone. Even my alarm clock is not like, it's, it's just a manual, uh, a manual clock. Yeah. I think it's, there have to be safe zones for stimulus or anti-stimulus and not to be overstimulated all the time. Yeah. So I think like getting into the bedroom and reading a little bit or not, you know, being stimulated in a, in a, in a, in the way that social media and other forms of media do now, even TV, I think it does the same thing now, particularly with news and all that. Right. So like just a technology free bedroom has helped a lot for me. Love that. Yeah. That's very yeah. smart. What's one way to increase it's hard? It is. Yeah. It's difficult. It, it, right. It, yeah. I'm right there. I'm right there with you. We don't have phones. Yeah. Like I don't have my phone near a bed, but I have a TV and, yeah. and, and, and you're right. It's difficult. It like creates bad habits. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> really does. <laughs> I could tell you my favorite Netflix shows right now, but uh, I won't. Right. What's one way to increase your energy levels? with fatigue or lethargy or something like that? Sure, sure. Uh, well, it's like we talked about sunlight, like I think profoundly different, like even 10 minutes a day, like like arms, face, maybe legs as well. Like anything, like a little bit of sunlight goes, I think, a long way for me, both in terms of obviously vitamin D and what we were talking about, but also just knowing where I am. I think a lot of my tiredness and lethargy comes from like, not knowing what time it is, like not having that, you were talking about our, our genetics versus the world we live in or the, 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 the life we live. And I think one of those elements is like the sun used to be a guide mm. when you wake up, when you go to sleep, when you eat, when you drink, when you procreate, whatever, like the sun helped us with that. And I think since we've lost that to a great degree, it affects everything. And so rhythm. I think... Yeah, the circadian rhythms. I, I use sunlight a lot also when I'm traveling, particularly between time zones. It's a big, big, big to reset that internal yeah, clock strategy. Sure. Yeah. So sunlight I think is a is a big one. And you know, like little bits of micro activity, just walking around, not being you know, these are little like pretty relatively well known things, but they really do work. And I think like if you can just even tie it, like for instance, I, I'm drinking water now, but like often I put my cup like away. So when I'm drinking, I need to get up and drink a cup of water. So like, there's these little hacks Love that. that force activity yeah. that really kind of adds up because we're doing it every day, every week, every month, every year. So why not make it a little bit better, a little bit more, more active? True. I mean, these are some yeah. really good tips, man. Next question. Do you know what Myers-Briggs you are or Enneagram type that you are? Yeah, I'm an ENTJ. So I think I definitely veer towards extrovert and it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a common entrepreneurial kind of active kind of trait or collection of traits. Mm-hmm. I took the test about 15 years ago. So maybe I've, you know, people do evolve yeah. and do, they do change, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've definitely gotten a little bit more internal versus being, you know, fully external, but that also is part of being in a, you know, a marriage and a committed relationship and all that. But yeah, ENTJ, which can be kind of manic a little bit. Sometimes it could be a high and low, especially if I'm like, if I'm alone for a day or two, I I tend to get depressed. So having external activity and, and interaction is really useful. And you know what type of Enneagram you are? Enneagram? I don't, I don't need to find out. Vlad, okay. Find, for, for next time, we'll, we'll find I out. And I, hopefully you'll have me back. Of course, and so we can, of course. Yeah. Enneagram, okay. What's your favorite, not necessarily a health food, but a, like a better for you snack food alternative that you love? Greek yogurt. 
Greek yogurt has done a lot for me uh, because it has protein. It, you know, it, it, it has a little bit of fat, but that's okay. Like we do need fat. I mean, there's fat free Greek yogurt, but I like a little bit like 1% or two, you know, but it, it really adds up to a really nice snack with a little fruit or a little something, something if you want to sweeten it. But like I use it as a replacement for sour cream sometimes. So if like I'm chili instead of, you know, traditional sour cream, I'll add Greek yogurt to it or, or something like that. So it, it, it really, it's helped me a lot just as a, as a quick, yeah. quick help. Something quick. What yeah. do you have a specific favorite brand of Greek yogurt? Uh, we, we, it's funny. We, I, I've tested a lot. So I, I you know, <laughs> I think Faye is the one that we have the most. It's good. Yeah. The, the one tricky part is I've tr- looked for like organic Greek yogurts. And they're a little bit harder to find and obviously prices priced a little bit yeah. higher. So, right. yeah. Got it. All right. Next question. If you have a pin, opinion on this, this very serious question, what are your thoughts on peanut butter? I love peanut butter. It's kind of <laughs> controversial in the health world. Here's a funny part. I was disgusted by peanut butter when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> Glad. And, uh, we wouldn't be yeah. friends as kids, man. I, okay. I know. And so like other kids, I, you know, I was a typical Serbian kid. So I would come to school and I had like salami and cheese on, a, on my sandwich yeah. and the, my, that my mom. Like a little charcuterie board <laughs> right. at seven years old. <laughs> That's right. And the kids were probably like looking at me, like, what the hell is he eating? Uh, but I was looking at other kids like, what is this brown thing that is kind of salty and, and, and sweet at the same time? So then in college, uh, that's where I met my wife and it, she's a dietitian. So she, you know, has views on things and she introduced me to peanut butter. And since then, like, it's funny, I just had peanut butter for lunch, peanut butter and banana for, hey, for you've come around. It's, it's so good. It's such a, that. I've we, come full circle. We've Americanized uh, you. We, yes. <laughs> uh, well, being here 30 plus years tends yeah. to do that, but there are little things like that. Like peanut butter is one of them. Ketchup I didn't eat until I was in college. I'm from Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh, uh, the Heinz is like, it's like a national, it's like the, the state food, the, the state yeah, they, condiment. Yeah. They put it in your, in your yeah. kids meals. Yeah, and they'll everywhere. kick you out of the yeah. state if you don't like it. Yeah. So I, I started, you know, but, but peanut butter, I'm a big fan of now because um, there are different kinds of peanut butter too. Like you can get the crunchy, you can get the smooth. So many choices. Get, so many choices in it and I'm a big fan. Okay, cool. And of course, yeah. organic, no sugar, all that stuff for everybody that are, that's out there judging me right now. You can, yeah, or, or not. Or, like, I mean, yeah, yes. Live on the wild yeah. side, right? If you, yeah. But I'm saying if it's DWC, Dr. Ricole approved, then I'm going to have some criteria for that. All right, next question. What's a book that you've read in the last year that's really inspired you? It could be fiction. It could be nonfiction. I read this book by a writer named Chuck Klosterman called the nineties. And it's a book about the nineties. Nice. And I grew up in the nineties. It's like, it, he has, I like Chuck Klosterman because he's like a cultural writer, but he also views things from a slightly like askew perspective. And so it made me like rethink like the things that are become narratives versus reality. Like for instance, like Shania Twain and was one and, and Garth Brooks, they were the biggest selling stars of the nineties. But when you think nineties, you think grunge, and, you know, maybe more alternative music. So it, it's like the world as we remember it isn't necessarily what the world literally was like. Mm. And so just being able to open up my mind on a consistent basis yeah. is useful. So, so this book, I, I kind of went through it in like a day or like uh, last week or so. So it, it was good. I love that. Shout out to Shania Twain, too. Some classics yeah. there. Some classics. Garth Brooks, Shania Twain, they were huge they were huge they were huge yeah. she recently i saw sang at coachella which she, she's still she's still that's fascinating uh yeah 
kicking her. Nostalgic, nostalgia she's comes back. Oh yeah, the nineties are still yeah right now. Yeah, they are. Last question, super deep. Not to leave it on a super deep note, but do you believe in life after death? I do. I think I have no clue as to what it is, and I have not figured out. You know what it is? Is it a god? Is it mm-hmm. some being? Is it heaven? Is it hell? Uh, but I think that there is some form of consciousness after death. Another book I recently read was about reincarnation and like looking at like real studies around. Yeah, there's so the, much compelling data around that. There's there are like I was very skeptical of reincarnation, mm-hmm. but like there's I mean some of it you could explain with you know various things, but like in terms of children remembering past lives, all kinds of different reincarnation kind of remnants in in people that you just it would be very difficult to explain away. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of pushed me a little bit further in that direction. But also just like energetically, I think there is something there. Mm-hmm. We are not just this body. We are more than this. And w- what that means afterwards, we'll see. I don't know yeah. whether it's a reincarnation or whether you get to live your life again, like over and over and over again. I think that's an interesting theory yeah. that I, I heard about recently. Who knows? TBD. <laughs> but I, there is, to me, there is something just because. Like also the more I go into science, the more I realize how little science has explained mm-hmm. uh, so far. Yeah, uh, it's so true. And I, I really appreciate the institutes, the colleges, the scientific literature looking at these things, looking yes. at us in that vein, because you're right, yeah. there's something there and people can have faith and people can have a spiritual practice. That's one thing. But as Absolutely. coming from a science side too, and I kind of hold both, and that's part of the reason of this podcast, it's the science yeah. and yeah. the art. And I think yeah. both are beautiful and sometimes science can't explain every, everything, and that's okay. It doesn't make it no. delegitimate, you know? I mean, not to get into two science, like, look look at quantum physics and all that's that That's what I was thinking like, about, about yeah. when you said live your life over. Like, there's when you just look at quantum physics, the little that I know about it, it is, uh, yes. there's, it's mind-blowing. Multiverse stuff. Yeah. All kind like, it just, to think about, like, you think, you know, when I was a kid growing up, going through school, you think everything's kind of settled, right? You think, okay, do we know where we live? Yeah. We know, even with the human body, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I had to have a bone marrow transplant as part of my treatment. And the bone marrow lives in your bones, right? And, but when they do a bone marrow transplant, they put it in your vein. They don't put it in your bones, they put it in your vein. Hmm. So it goes through your bloodstream and it go, it populates your bones. And I asked the doctors, when I was a little kid, I was like kind of naive, like seven, eight years old. I was like, so how, how does it do that? How does it go? How does it know to go from your vein into the bone? And they're like, we don't know. Hmm. Like we don't like their theories, yeah. but they didn't really, really have a, the exact yeah. reason for it. They did it through trial and error. They tested it over 50, hundred years and know that it works. And there's so many things like that, yeah. that we know kind of work. Yeah. But we don't really know why they yeah, work. The ultimate so, mechanism is not known. Yeah. Right. So true. So true. Vlad, this has been a rich conversation. I appreciate you immensely. Where can people learn more about your work and, and sure. get in touch with you? So number one is our website, just betterandbetter.com. That's where obviously we sell our products and all that, but also we're really starting to, to publish a lot of the studies that we're going through. Uh, we have a whole section about learning. So we have uh, texts and studies And, you know, we work with a bunch of different chemists, biochemists, scientists. So we are constantly trying to push 
the, the story forward and the product forward. So our, you know, our vision for better and better is constant incremental improvement. So our toothpaste today isn't gonna be the same as what we do tomorrow or the day after or, or so on and so forth. So, you know, better and better. And then from all of that is, is social media and, and beyond. But I think that's a good start. Love it. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon.